Father God, we come to you tonight. Father, we see what addictions have done to members of our family, to friends, to co-workers. And Father, only you know what it's done to their families. And you know how much more it's done than we've seen. And so, Father, help us to take serious tonight, not just to pray at the people who fight the stronghold of addictions. Let us come to you fervently as your children and say, Lord, help those with addiction. Be with the families of those who fight addictions. And Father, may what we've done here tonight corporately carry into our prayer closets. And may we continue between this Thanksgiving and Christmas to, to fervently pray for depression, anxiety, and let us not forget to pray for the addictions as this is the time and the season for those to rear their ugly heads. But Father, as we pray for that, we know the one that's behind it all. And that's none other than the devil. And he's waging a war. And Father, we know he don't win in the end. But Father, when we read and hear of something as silly as a $10 unbaptism, When we read the news about a FedEx driver molesting and killing a young girl and we hear about a school that is allowing a satanic hour, it just confirms and affirms that we're not on a playground, we're on a battleground. Father, we just pray that we would learn as soldiers of the cross that we are to battle every day because our weapons are not carnal but spiritual. Help us to understand the biggest and the best way to fight is down on our knees in the throne room of grace. So, Father, help us to take serious these prayers tonight for the addicts, their families, the spiritual warfare. Thank you for this church and the folks that understand this and are using their hurts and hang-ups that you've delivered them from to help others with their hurts and hang-ups. We love you. We ask you to bless Dave tonight as he ministers to some of those folks. And we ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Let him turn it in your favor Watch him work it for your good He's not done with what he started He's not done until it's good so let him turn it in your favor Watch him work it for your 
He's not done with what he started. He's not done until it's good. Hello, peace. Hello, joy. Hello, love. Hello, strength. Hello, hope. It's a new horizon. If you're ready for a breakthrough, just open up and just receive. Cause what he's pouring out is nothing you've ever seen. Fear is not my future. You are, you are, sickness is not my story. You are, you are, heartbreak is not my home. You are, you are, and death is not the end. You are, you are, fear is not my future. You are, you are, sickness is not my story. You are, you are, heartbreak is not my home. You are, you are, and death is not the end. No, you are, you are. Hello, peace. Hello, joy. Hello, love. Hello, strength. Hello, hope. It's a new horizon. Goodbye, fear. Goodbye, guilt. Goodbye, shame. Goodbye, pain. Goodbye, grave. It's a new horizon. Well, that song fits along right behind our prayer. If you guys want to be seated, turn the lights on. All right, well, I want to give you something to chew on, and aren't you glad with what we prayed for, the addictions, that's not the end, He is, and the spiritual battle that we're in, aren't you glad the war's already been won, we just got to fight a battle or two along the way, and all God's people said to that, amen and amen. So, with what's being said... Tonight, we need to understand that the spiritual life, I've said it many times, is not played out on a playground, but it is fought out on a battleground. And the Bible lets us know this right here in Ephesians. But Paul told young Timothy that we have to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know what's happened, but somewhere along the way, Brother Harold, you've said it before, the church went on defense and totally quit playing offense. And when we read Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, I'll remind you that it was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that told His disciples that the gates of hell shall not prevail 
against the church. And somewhere along the way, we took that as the church ought to come inside four walls, kneel at these altars, and just trust that the gates of hell will not prevail out there. And we just totally went on defense. We're just going to board ourselves up. We're going to hunker down in the bunkers and just trust that the gates of hell won't prevail. That's not what Jesus meant when he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Because remember, he sent them out. And if he sends you out, that means he sends you out to do battle. And so I want to remind all of us tonight, the gates of hell is not to prevail against the church, and that don't mean come in, bunker down in the trenches. That means come into the locker room, come under the tent, get motivated, get healed up, get encouraged, and go fight the battle. We need some Christian warriors, and all God's people ought to say to that, Amen and amen. Again, I say we need some Christian warriors. Now, here's something to chew on if you're going to desire, and I hope you do, to be a Christian warrior. Are you ready for it? Number one, you need to understand the struggle of the Christian warrior. Hopefully, you're open to Ephesians chapter 6. And you can look at verse 11 and you can see the struggle of the Christian warrior. He tells us, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the same one that told Timothy to be a soldier of the cross, that he must endure hardship. He's the same one that says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the, say it with me, devil. Come on. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the, say it with me, devil. Listen to verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, you need to understand who our fight who our struggle is against, and it's against the devil, and it's against all the demons of hell. That's who your struggle is against. You may think it's against flesh, but the accomplice behind it, the one that's flaming the flaming, fanning the flames, is none other than the devil. Understand this, if you want to be a Christian warrior, your fight, your struggle is with the devil. I don't want anybody to be like that young man that had started a boxing career. And his first boxing match, I guess to put it where we can all understand it, he was getting the tarnation beat out of him. And when he come to his corner, after the first round, his corner man's trying to talk to him, and he's already swelling up with his eyes because he's been had the tire beat out of him, and he says to the corner man, said, just stop. There's two of them out there, and as soon as I can figure out which one's hitting me, I'll take care of him. Folks, how many of you know there wasn't two of them out there? He should have known who was hitting him. And let me just let you in on something. 
Sometimes the devil, he does different things and makes us think there's a lot of battles out there. But the one that's hitting us, the one our struggle with, guess who it is? It's the devil. You can write that down. I want you to think about what the Bible says. When Job had his struggles, when Job's family and his, his uh, health and his wealth was hit, who hit it? It was the devil. It was the devil that was traveling to and from the earth. I know it had to come across the desk of Almighty God, but make no mistakes about it. The one that was hitting Job was the devil. He hit his family, he hit his wealth, and he eventually hit his health, and his struggle, his fight, was with the devil. Now James puts it this way. He tells you and he tells me, for we are not tempted by God, nor does God tempt anyone. You got that? God does not tempt us. But each one of us is tempted when we're drawn away by our own desires. See, that makes us think that our battle is with self and somewhat is. But who's the one when it said, when we're drawn away by our own desires, that's a fisherman's term. That's a lure. And let me just tell you who the one that is waving the bait in front of us, trying to get us away, knows you and I, knows our personal weaknesses, and guess what? Therefore, you're a fisherman, Robert. He knows exactly what lure to put in front of us. Whether you read Job or whether you read James or whether you read our text tonight, Get this, Christian warrior, your battle, your struggle, your fight is with not flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers of the air, none other than the devil. Everybody got that? So if we're going to be a Christian warrior, number one, we got to know who we're fighting. And who are we fighting? The devil. There's the struggle of the Christian warrior. But something to chew on tonight, let me say something about the stance of the Christian warrior. Look at verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to hide. No, wait a minute. That you may be able to run. That you may be able to. Come on. Don't be shy here tonight. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, not to sit, not to hide, having done all to stand. See, you need to understand, and we're going to get into this armor in the next weeks. We're going to chew on the armor after our prayer time. And you're going to find when I preach these messages that the armor covers us from head to toe and covers all the front side and there's one place that it don't cover and guess what? That's the back side. So when we turn and we run, guess what? 
We're vulnerable. The stance of the Christian warrior is not to run, not to hide, not to squat down. The stance of a Christian warrior is to stand eyeball to eyeball, chest to chest, and toe to toe with the one we struggle and fight with, the devil. See, and there's too many that like it was like I was. Now, does this surprise you folks when I tell you when I was a little kid, my family had a boat and we went to the lake every now and again? That probably surprises you. Johnny Johnson's saying, yeah, it does. It was so long ago. I mean, it was a long time ago. And I can remember they got me a little bitty set of water skis. They're going to let us be water skiers. And I can remember all the grown-ups skiing. They'd ski on one. They'd ski on two. And after I got them little water skis, and after much motivation and all this, I finally got those skis on. And I finally, after numerous tries, got up and got on those skis on top of the water. And they was pulling me. And they'd pull me all over the lake, and I looked just like this. I skied all over the lake in a squat position. You with me? And they'd say, why don't you stand up? Well, they get to pulling you about 20, 30 mile an hour. If you're going to hit that water, you just soon hit it butt first. And when you fall, just kick that old butt over. If you're standing up, man, this could hurt. Do you know I skied all over that lake squatting down and very seldom did I ever stand up? Skiing ain't no fun if you're going to ski around the lake squatting down. It's tiring on your legs, folks. And as I think about how my short water skiing career was and how I skied all over that lake squatted down and people probably thought, what in the world's that little feller doing? He ought to have been standing up. And that's a picture of what many are doing in the church when it comes to facing the devil. We just want to squat down. And then let me tell you what else we do. I framed houses for a short time, very short time, for Colonel Scott Reed. And let me tell you, my first couple of houses, let me tell you, I could just walk around on them two-before walls. I mean, I could do pretty good framing eight-foot houses. I mean... I mean, you can walk on that two-by-four when it's on the ground. I'm going to say the person here with the least balance can do pretty good on a two-by-four on the ground, can't you? Put it up a couple of foot, and a few of you do a little worse. Get it up eight foot, and some of you couldn't do it at all. It's the same two-by-four. And that's what my thoughts was. So when I started walking those walls on that eight-foot ceiling, I was standing up, I was carrying lumber, I had the tool bags on. That wasn't a problem. Because in my mind, it's a two before, whether it's on the ground, whether it's four foot or whether it's eight foot. But let me tell you what happened about three houses in. And I got humbled. We had a ten-foot wall house. And I was amazed what them two foot done to me. Just two foot, Calvin, and guess what? I got splinters in my butt scooting around on that two before. Because as much as I tried to convince myself, Bob, it's the same two before. It's only two foot higher, but it looked like it was three stories higher to me. 
And I always thought if I fell off an eight foot, I'm kind of athletic and agile as me and Johnny Johnston is, we could hit on our feet like a cat. But for some reason, that 10 foot made me think, I'll hit flat on my back. And so when I look, you laugh at those stories about your pastor. You say, our pastor is a sissy. He skis in the squat position and he scoots on 10 foot walls. When I survey the church, there's a whole bunch of our Christian warriors. They're like squatted water skiers, and they're like framers that scoot around on their butts. And folks, that ain't what the Bible tells you and I to do. It tells us to stand. That's our stance. We don't run. We don't squat. We don't hide. If you're going to be a Christian warrior, you better understand your struggle, your fight, your battle is with the devil, and you better understand your stance is to stand eyeball to eyeball, toe to toe. You don't squat, you don't hide, and you don't run. You stand. That's the stance of the Christian warrior. One more thing for us to chew on before we leave here tonight. How about this? We know what the struggle of the Christian warrior, we know who it's against, right? And that is the... We know the stance of the Christian warrior, and that is we stand. Now, and finally, in closing, we see the strength of the Christian warrior. We look at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong. Get to the gym. Work out. Be strong and in shape. No. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You know where our strength comes from? It comes from the Lord. One chapter ago, do not be drunk with wine. To me, Ephesians goes to Ephesians 5.18. That's the foundation of that book. When you are filled with the Spirit, you're ready to do battle. You're ready to be the family member, the church member, the worker, the co-worker that you're meant to be. And all God's people ought to be saying amen. Well, let me just tell you something. It's the core of being the Christian warrior. Your strength will come from being a spirit-filled Christian. Now, does anybody ever remember that cartoon when the folks about my age was kids? Popeye. Who did he always have to fight? Who is it? Is it is it Brutus or Bruno? Time out. Will somebody Google? Bruno's the singer. Does everybody agree on that? We cannot move on until we agree. What is it? Who is it? Pluto? Like Bluto? That's like an Indian name. Oh, Bluto must have been Indian. That's old Bluto. I want to get that all right. Pi Pi always had a problem with Bluto. Did you know you was going to come to church and have a cartoon trivia night? It's not a trivia night. I just want to know who Pop... My wife said I'm not even saying Popeye right. 
I guess just forget it. Get filled with the Spirit and you can find. Popeye. Popeye. He had it. Now, this is even going to get worse. He had a woman. Olive oil. And Bluto kind of had a little bit of a crush on her. Huh? I don't know the names, but am I getting the cartoon right? And when this would happen, old Bluto, big old feller, right? And it never failed. Sometime in that cartoon episode, old Bluto would beat the living tar out of Popeye. Are you with me? And just short of old Popeye dying, if it was on a ship, somehow he'd get down to the cargo part of the ship and there would be something down there that they were shipping from sea to land. What would that be? Spinach. If the fight was somewhere in town, he'd somehow get to a grocery store and get to the shelf where there was Are you with me? If his fight was somewhere out there in the country, he'd somehow get to a garden where they was growing. And when he would get the spinach, did the fight change? Right? All right. I didn't remember their names well, but you can tell I remember the cartoon well. And as a four-year-old boy, I couldn't figure for the life of me why Popeye didn't just keep some spinach on hand. I wasn't very old when I thought, doggone, why don't you just keep backpack, lunch can? Why would you want to get beat to a pulp? What's going to happen the first time there ain't no spinach in the ship? What's going to happen when you ain't next to a grocery store? What's going to happen when you ain't next to a garden or that farmer didn't plant spinach? I want to crawl in the TV as a four-year-old boy and say, Just keep some spinach with you. Now I'm 53. In just a few days, I'm going to enjoy this 52 for about two more weeks. And as I watch the church, I watch the same thing happen. I watch people get the soup beat plumb out of them by the devil. And then somehow, some way, they crawl back to the Scriptures. They get back under the spout where the glory comes out, and the battle changes. So I got a question. You may not can answer why Popeye didn't keep spinach on him. But I got a question for Christians. Why don't you just stay under the spout where the glory comes out and won't you stay full of the Spirit of God and that's how you're strong enough to face not Bluto but the devil because your strength is not in spinach. It's not in your strength. It's being filled with the Spirit of Almighty God. We wonder why Popeye would get whooped Without spinach, why do we let the devil whoop on us without being filled with the Holy Spirit of God?
something to chew on. And I hope tonight somebody in the house will decide to become a Christian warrior. Knowing who your struggle's with, knowing what your stance is, and knowing where your strength comes from. But let me just tell you something. You can't be a Christian warrior until you first become a Christian. You're here tonight and you've never become a Christian. Guess what? All you got to do is repent of your sins, believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth who Jesus is, what Jesus done by dying, being buried, and rose again. And you can become a Christian and you're on your way to becoming a Christian warrior. Let's all stand. Miss Addie's going to sing us out of here. You need to pray again. The altars are open. You need to be saved. The altars are open. But I love this song that Miss Addie's going to sing us out of here with. And I think you'll like it too. You ever heard that song, Oh Glorious Day? Well, she's fixing to sing it to us. Good stuff. <laughs>